Welcome in to episode 23 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal joining you as always. We thank you for taking the time as well to join us here this week also. We hope everyone's enjoying their first week of the month of April into the spring now. we got so much going on with all the spring sports. We're going to talk a lot of baseball tonight with the Lenorine baseball team taking on the Hickory Crawdads in an exhibition game earlier this week. We're going to go into March Madness with the national championship results. The men's and women's championships have been completed. South Carolina, Kansas both winning. We're going to talk about those coming up in a little bit as well in our second segment. And again, we're glad to be with you tonight. Glad to be with you. Glad you're joining us here also. Again, we're going to kick off our show by talking about the Lenorine baseball team. That's all we're going to be talking about here in our LR segment tonight. We're going to talk about their games coming up this weekend. We're also going to talk about as well their game against the Hickory Crawdads back on Wednesday. This was an exhibition contest, and this was the Hickory Crawdads' first action of the 2022 season. Again, exhibition against the Lenorine Bears. LR won this contest by a score of 3-1. to one. The Bears let off the game with a solo home run. The game remained 1-0 until the 8th when LR added on two more runs. Then in the bottom of the eighth inning, the Crawdads loaded the bases and got a run across in a wild pitch to get the score to 3-1. to The Crawdads outhit the Bears in this game 7-6, to but again, Bears getting the win. The announced crowd for this matchup was 930. The Bears are going to resume sack play with three games against Virginia Wise. Game one of the series is set for Friday at 6 p.m. at Durham Field. The Bears will play a doubleheader Saturday starting at 1 p.m. as well. Again, very, very big win for the LR baseball team just to get some experience taking on a Hickory Crawdads team out of the MILB, minor league baseball, high A affiliate of the Texas Rangers, obviously. And this is something that we've seen LR do quite a bit over the years, play the Hickory Crawdads, and they played very well against them. And again here, winning by a score of 3-1. to one, And again, it's just good to get experience against minor league players. For these college guys to go in and play a semi-pro team, that's big for experience. And that's just going to be big for confidence moving forward for a team that's 31-7 and overall, 10-5 and in the South Atlantic Conference. They have had an outstanding season thus far, and they're going into a, a three-game series against Virginia Wise, where this is a team that they've dominated historically. 4-0 all-time, they haven't played much. Their last win, March 14th of 2021, a 17-7 victory. The Bears' last regular season win was back on Monday at Bluefield State. 9-0, dominant victory. Nick Clarno had three hits, two RBIs. Joey Cobb pitched into the seventh inning, earned his fourth win of the season, and seven different LR players drove in at least one run in this victory. Again, for a team that is feeling very confident and that is moving right along. Remember, regular season ends just about late April. So we got a couple more weeks until the South Atlantic Conference Tournament, and then from there, more postseason play for so many of our LR teams, not just the baseball team here, but softball is playing very well right now. You know, track and field, we got stuff going on there. Men's lacrosse is definitely going to be playing into the postseason after their South Atlantic Conference tournament. So definitely going to be exciting to see all that happens with Lenore Ryan coming up. But again, this was really the big thing this week was LR taking on the Hickory Crawdads in an exhibition game. Cool to see our hometown D2 team in LR playing our hometown minor league baseball team 
in the hickory crawdads. Nice little cross there, and uh, hopefully we see this more in the future because we've had some good games between these two teams. But again, the 2022 game here, won by the Bears by a score of 3-1. to one. That's going to wrap up our look at Lenore Ryan Sports and segment number one. Coming up in segment number two, we're going to be talking the conclusion of March Madness and the men's and women's college basketball tournaments. The Kansas Jayhawks and South Carolina Gamecocks have won national titles. We're going to talk about all of it after this short break. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM. back in to College Sports Today, episode number 23. Going into segment number two, we're going to be talking all things March Madness. The men's and women's college basketball championships have been completed with the Kansas Jayhawks and South Carolina Gamecocks winning the men's and women's tournaments. We're going to go into everything with these games, all the details, all the stats, break them down for you. We're going to start with the men's championship game between Kansas and North Carolina. Number one seed Kansas defeated Villanova to get to this championship game. Number eight seed North Carolina took down Duke, their bitter rival in the other national semifinal game. And that's something that we talked about last week on the show. Duke, North Carolina, tons of storylines coming into that contest. Really, really close game. Won by North Carolina, some big shots down the stretch from Caleb Love. And that ends the career of Coach K at Duke. Amazing run, five national championships, so many ACC titles, tons of NBA draft picks. We could go on and on about the impact that Coach K has made and what that Duke program has meant to college basketball. But they're going to continue to be back. They're going to continue to compete for championships with John Shire taking over as head coach, has been an associate head coach for them for a number of years. And while other assistants have left Duke to take other coaching jobs, he's stuck around. And now he's kind of reaping the benefits from that as the next head coach for the Blue Devils. And he has an outstanding 2022 class coming in that can get them back to the Final Four next year. But again, it was North Carolina taking down Duke and Kansas really dominant over Villanova in that other national semifinal. Again, Justin Moore was out for Villanova that played a very huge role in that game. Kansas still would have won. I think even had Justin Moore been playing in that game for Nova, easy win for Kansas. So it set up Jayhawks and Tar Heels. And this game lived up to the hype. 72-69, Kansas wins their first national championship since the 2007-2008 season. Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, both of those guys led the way with 15 points apiece. Remy Martin had 14. Ochai Baji, Christian Brown both had 12. Really balanced stat line there for Kansas. You look at those guys in double figures, Wilson, McCormick, Martin, Abaji, and Brown. Really balanced across the board, all of them hitting big shots. Remy Martin hit some big threes in the second half. Christian Brown was really steady and got them out of some situations where the game wasn't looking as good for them. Because going into half, they were down by 15 points, and they come all the way back to win this game. It's the largest comeback in the history of the championship game. And again, their first national championship since 2008. And offensively, they really started to turn it on in the second half. 
they were missing easy shots in the first half, and they were heavily out-rebounded here in this contest. North Carolina was really pounding them on the glass. North Carolina had over 50 boards in this game. I believe it was 55 to be exact. But Kansas started to knock down their easy shots in the second half. They went 29-66 overall for the game for 43.9%, only 6-17 from three. So offensively, it was a struggle at times. They weren't rolling all game long. It was really the second half where they got it going. And North Carolina, they looked really great in that first half. They started knocking down shots. Everybody was getting going. They hit 18 of 22 free throws. They were only 23 of 73 from the floor, though, for 31.5%. And give credit to Bill Self and his staff for really putting the clamps down on Caleb Love late in the game. Caleb Love, the star point guard for North Carolina, was really missing a ton of easy shots. He wasn't getting clear lanes. He wasn't getting space on the perimeter to operate and shoot the way he had in the UCLA game or the Duke game or obviously the St. Peter's game as well. That wasn't coming for him. It wasn't coming easy like it was in those other games. So Kansas not only offensively picked things up, scoring almost like 50 points in the second half, but defensively as well, locking down. And again, trailed by 15, they come back to win the game. Now, North Carolina had a chance late because Kansas had turned it over on an inbounds pass going down the floor. That was a situation where North Carolina was bailed out, down by three, had a chance to tie the game, but uh, did not fall for Caleb Love there at the end at the buzzer. And again, it was Kansas 72, North Carolina 69. But an incredible season for North Carolina. You know, for them to, as a number eight seed, get to the championship game, it's a really hard thing to do. You know, nobody was picking them to come out of that region because you had Baylor as the number one seed. You had Kentucky as a number two seed. Obviously, Kentucky got beat by St. Peter's. North Carolina was able to hold off Baylor in a second round game. And North Carolina, you know, facing Duke there, everyone felt like that would be the end of the road for them. But they persevered and they got out of that game as well. And Hubert Davis in his first season to get this team to the championship, really impressive. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Caleb Love. My instincts tell me that he's probably going to go to the NBA because he was a projected one-year player coming in out of the 2020 class and decided to stay a second year to get better, and he's definitely done that. So I think that they'll lose him. I think R.J. Davis comes back. We'll see about Baycott. You know, Manic was a grad student, so he's obviously going to be gone. But there, there's some pieces here for North Carolina. With the guys that they're losing, there are players that can fill in those roles. So I definitely expect Carolina to be around for a long, long time, even with the coaching change, you know, going from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis. North Carolina is still North Carolina, and Kansas is still Kansas, rolling right along with Bill Self. And the question now is, you know, can they repeat next season with a champion, you know, whatever sport it is, the NFL, the NBA, college basketball, we always ask that question whenever a team wins, can they repeat? Can they go do it again? And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because now, you know, with COVID and how that's affected eligibility and stuff and guys getting extra years, a guy like David McCormick could come back. Ochai Abaji, all these guys, if they choose to, can come back. I think uh, Abaji is a guy who's definitely going to move on to the NBA. This was his senior season and guys have that option, you know, to stay. But guys see their stock and they see where they can be drafted. And Kansas is going to lose a lot of pieces here from this team. But again, just like North Carolina, they're doing some good, solid recruiting, and there are guys that can come in and fill the roles. So Kansas and UNC playing in the men's championship game, again, won by the Jayhawks, 72-69. to In the women's championship game, it was number one overall seed South Carolina and number two seed UConn. 
back in November when the season started, we had talked about this game being a huge possibility. We talked about South Carolina and UConn being a really, really exciting potential championship matchup. And that's exactly what we got. South Carolina dominated Louisville in the first national semifinal. UConn held off Stanford in the second national semifinal. And again, just like in the North Carolina State game, UConn down the stretch played very well. Paige Beckers hit some shots. They were able to rebound the basketball consistently. And that was really the main focus coming into this championship game against South Carolina, which their strong point, their strong suit as a team, is their ability to rebound the basketball and dominate teams on the glass. We had talked about that last week. We had talked about South Carolina not only defensively being so elite, but on the glass. That's what wins you basketball games, and that's what's won South Carolina basketball games all season long. And coming into this championship game, we knew they had a huge, huge advantage on the glass. Because when we're talking about UConn's interior post play with Olivia Nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards, those two players aren't as physical as an Aaliyah Boston, as a Victoria Saxton for South Carolina. And that's what South Carolina did over the course of this championship game, was impose their will on the glass. I mean, they've dominated teams on the glass, out-rebounding them by 20 or even 30 rebounds at times. And here in this game, it was almost a plus 30 advantage, 49-24 to 24 on the glass. And they got this one 64-49. South Carolina winning their first national championship since the 2016-2017 season. And there were so many incredible performances in this game. But none more impressive than from Destiny Henderson, who had a career-high 26 points in her last college game. And everybody was expecting Aaliyah Boston to have the huge double-double. Obviously, she's the player that they've gone through all season long, the National Player of the Year, the SEC Player of the Year, the Center of the Year in women's college basketball. Got every major award that you can imagine. And here's the thing about South Carolina. Aaliyah Boston can have 11 points and 11 rebounds, say, in a game. And they can still win. And they can still win consistently because so much attention is being drawn to Boston on the inside. It frees up everybody else. It frees up Zaya Cook, who had 11 points here in this game as well. It frees up Destiny Henderson, who again had the career-high 26 points. It can free up Victoria Saxton. Anybody that you want to name, Boston draws those double teams. And then that opens things up for everybody else. And again, 49-24 to 24 edge on the glass. This was a game where UConn was absolutely manhandled. And South Carolina was just toying around with them on the inside. UConn had no chance on the glass, on the interior. Nelson Adota and Edwards are not the physical kind of players that Aaliyah Boston is. As I just said a minute ago, that finesse on the interior. UConn has lacked that all season long. And really for the last five or six years, UConn has lacked that. They've lacked the ability to really stack up with teams on the interior. Because in the backcourt and on the wing, UConn has as much talent as anybody. But on the interior, it's just not there. And it just hasn't been working for them the last couple of seasons. They thought they had fixed that issue with Dorky Uhas coming in. But she got hurt in the NC State game in the Elite Eight and was not able to play here in the Final Four. And the thing about Nelson Adota, Uhas, and Edwards, they're all long, but they're not as physical as the post players on South Carolina. And that's why SC had the huge advantage here in this game. On top of that, UConn had 15 turnovers. South Carolina got to the line 26 times. Hit 17 free throws. Again, out of 26 attempts. UConn had 21 fouls here in this game. They committed 21 fouls. And whenever you're really sending a team to the line that much, and you're putting a team in the bonus as early as UConn had SC in the bonus, 
it's going to be really hard to win, especially when you're only getting to the line four times and making one free throw. Four of 16 from three. A 21-6 edge on the offensive glass in favor of South Carolina. All of those things led to a dominant South Carolina win. Again, UConn held to 49 points here in this game. And this is a South Carolina team that we knew coming in defensively was going to be able to put the clamps down on UConn, not just on the interior, but on the outside as well. And that was, I think, the most impressive thing about this game was not only the interior dominance, which we expected, but the perimeter defensive dominance as well. Paige Beckers for UConn had 14 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. She was the only player in double figures for the Huskies. And those 14 points were the toughest that she's had in her UConn career. No question about that. Again, she was the only Husky with 10-plus points. Caroline Ducharme had 9. Aaliyah Edwards had 8. Avina Westbrook had 7. But it just wasn't good enough because South Carolina's defense was swarming all game long. Something that UConn does extremely well with their offense and something that is so hard to stop is Paige Becker's coming off the ball screens and shooting that mid-range jump shot. Because She's absolutely deadly with that mid-range game. AZ Fudd, same thing, coming off the ball screens. That pick-and-roll action. With Fudd and with Beckers, they're knocked down from the mid-range. Fudd from the three-point line as well. That's something that South Carolina took away. They weren't allowing the backdoor cuts. They weren't allowing Paige to roll off those ball screens in the pick-and-roll action. And that was really the difference in the game. Yes, you can talk a lot about the rebounding, which we have already at length. But it was Destiny Henderson, Zia Cook, all those guards locking down on Paige Beckers. AZ Fudd didn't play too much here in this game. She hadn't been feeling well the day before the game and leading up on the day of the game and really just didn't play a whole lot. She wasn't feeling it, and Gina Oriama knew that and really didn't put her out there too much. He even put Amari DeBerry in the game at a point to try to get some more physicality in the post. Caroline Ducharme, who had not played much in the tournament prior to the championship game, did have nine here in this one and tried to help get them back in it. But when you start down 25-8, to eight, it's going to be really hard to come back. And they did come back. 32-27 was the score at the half. They were only down by five. But South Carolina just kept making those runs. They continued to push this lead further and further out. And eventually, it was too much for UConn to overcome. But an incredible season for the Huskies. To overcome what they overcame. The Pagebacker's injury. With AZ Fudd, with Nika Mule, with almost every player on their roster hurt and missing time at one point or another in the season. Nobody expected them to even get out of the NC State game and certainly not the Stanford game, but they were able to make it happen. And you really have to tip your hat to the team for what they were able to do. Tip your hat to Gino Oriema, who said it was the most trying season of his entire career, which has spanned almost 40 years at UConn. But next season, I think they're going to have some things to clean up. They need to try to find someone in the post that can help get them more finesse on the inside. Angel Reese has left Maryland. One of the best interior players in the country, six foot three, average a double double. Was actually the first Maryland player to average a double double since 1975, and that's really, really hard to imagine with the program that Maryland has over there. But we're seeing a mass exodus at Maryland. We're seeing a lot of players leave Oregon. Kylie Watson is a player that left the Ducks program not too long ago, and is a player that early on in her recruitment, back like 2016-2017, was being contacted by UConn and was being recruited by them. You know, whether the Huskies have interest in her or not, if they have interest in Reese, that's that's still yet to be seen. But look for them to try to find more post-play, more consistent post-play on the interior next year. But again, South Carolina, another national championship, and this was what was expected. 
We expected them to win this tournament. Everybody in their bracket pretty much picked South Carolina to win, including me. And I felt like coming in, they just had the best overall team with their rebounding, with their defense, and with their offense when they could turn it on. And they turned it on when they needed to here in this game. Again, especially in the form of Henderson, who had 26 points. And this is a team that's already ranked number one in a way too early ranking put together by ESPN for next season. Yes, they're losing Henderson. Saxton, though, is coming back. Victoria Saxton, who's a senior on this team, coming back for a fifth year. She was saying, hey, let's run it back. Let's try to win it again next year. So almost this entire core is going to be back. And with that said, South Carolina has an incredible chance to win another national title next year. So that's what's going on in March Madness with the college basketball championship games. Again, Kansas winning it on the men's side. South Carolina hoisting the trophy for the second time on the women's side. And that's all that we have for you here in episode 23 of College Sports Today. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and WLRZ at 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you on the next show. Thank you for listening.